Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Molly Movie Club. I'm Casey Muratori. I'm Anna Retberg. And Anna's going to introduce the movie this week because she likes space and I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you like space? I mean, I like it fine. It's just like I feel like you would be one of those people who would like go to watch the space shuttle launch or whatever. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... And this this was a, a by vote this week by right. popular by popular demand. That's right. Uh, this week's movie was uh, Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. Yes, and John, don't forget his brother. Oh yeah, well wrote, wrote it, co-wrote. Yeah. But yes. you know, it's very it's a it, you know Nolan director yes. directorial. It's the piece. Nolan family. The Nolan family. Um, yeah. So I had seen this movie once before in the theater back when it came out. And you, I had never seen yeah, it. Yeah, you had never seen it. So I guess as the person who had never seen it, do you want to give some first impressions? Sure, I guess I can do that. Uh, I would say that this is a weird thing to say about movies, but I feel like we're probably going to say this a lot on this podcast, which is that it was a lot better than I am expecting to see when I watch a movie nowadays. Yeah. So anytime like a movie's budget these days is a hundred million dollars or more, I'm just expecting it will probably be terrible. So when I go into a movie like this, it's obviously high budget, it's obviously right. I think my expectations have shifted towards everything's gonna look kind of crappy, like yeah. CG. You know, the the story's not gonna have anything non-blatant in it, right? Whatever. And I've never been a huge Christopher Nolan fan, but I do think that my first impression of this movie uh, was I, I enjoyed watching it, mm-hmm. and it was better than I was expecting. So so I was expecting, because, you know, kind of Christopher Nolan's stories kind of go off the rails sometimes, yeah, or maybe yeah. I should say like the Nolan brothers. Sometimes they're fantastic. I loved The Prestige, mm-hmm. for example. Sometimes they kind of go off the rails like the Batman movies. Uh, the middle one was the two of them. So, so was the first one. And then the third one was a different writer. But So anyway, I guess I would say broadly speaking, I, I think I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't love the movie, but I had a lot more... Uh, interest in it, and it, and I enjoyed watching it a lot more than yeah. I was expecting. If that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you know what's funny is because because I had seen this before, and I I remember because I'd only seen it the once. Like I never went back and rewatched it, so I remember being kind of like yeah eh, about it. Yeah. Coming back to it, I actually enjoyed it or parts of it quite a bit more. I think for the same reason, like. Yeah, movies have actually gotten so much worse, like these kind of big movies, in yes. the last like ten years since this came out. That this was like remarkably refreshing to see, like just the quality of the of the filmmaking. Um, yes, I feel like two ways about this movie. I, I feel very like very strongly positive about some parts of it, and pretty strongly like negative about other parts same of it. Same here. Yes, yeah. same here. Um, but it may not be the same parts, but I had that same feeling. Yeah, yeah, the filmmaking in particular. I mean, I love, sh- I I like Nolan. And I, I, no, I don't like Nolan that much. But like Nolan, I enjoy ah. things shot on film. So um, that, was an, that was an I, comma, uh, like, like Nolan, Nolan comma. comma. Yes, I feel like I, I like the I like the feeling of film. Like the way things look shot on film. I do think even this movie, though, uh, which obviously has some CG in it, 
relies a lot less on CG than yes. you would think. Yes. Like, I know they did a lot of shots with weird, like, mirrors and stuff and oh, things totally. to avoid using CG in places. And, they obviously yeah. did have CG, but and it I'm was like, they, you know. I'm assuming they use models, maybe, for some of the ships and stuff. I don't know. But. I haven't looked at any of it. I just know that I saw some things okay. where I was like, oh, that's surprising that they did so much. Like, I, I think I remember seeing a picture of a shot where they had, like, suspended Matthew McConaughey in, like, in this chamber of mirrors almost to mm. to make one of those shots. And I was just like, you know, it works. Like, everything in this movie looks very convincing yes, to me. Yes, absolutely. In a way that, like, a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie now, uh, the new ones, yeah. don't. They all just look fake. Yeah. And this one didn't look that way to me. No, and so whatever he's doing, it might also just be his eye when he directs the CG artists it might just be that he has that eye for like, I don't want anything that looks fake in this shot. And and it works. It also, absolutely works. I feel like there is a lot of love for space, like real space stuff um, in this movie. Like, like even the fact, the way that they shot from outside the, the ship was as though there was like a camera mounted onto the ship. Like, yes. Oh, that was a the shot way. they like always used. Um, and I thought that was really cool because it, it's like that's what it looks like when there's footage taken from a spaceship. It's just it, it lends us this feeling of like realness. It's true. There were there was a couple times when they do a shot that was like pullback, like at mm-hmm. Saturn. But a lot of times you're right. They were filming almost exclusively from like where you could have filmed from. They didn't yeah. do a lot of like you know let's let's do a, a moving camera outside the ship that like yeah. flies around they, they didn't do no, much it's, of it's that it's almost at all, like yeah. documentary style in that a way bit, yeah. um which is kind of cool and i don't know it just it and some of the some of the like wide wide like kind of pulled back shots of of the ships like I, i'm thinking of one in particular after the i can't remember what it's called the spinning the spinning craft um after that gets damaged oh, right. and it's spinning off and like yes. there was a, a really really wide shot like pulled way back that was just like gorgeous um the image the space imagery was like nice <laughs> it just looked so good um and i kept i mean i think we both realized this i think most people probably realize this watching this movie is that it's like really pulling a lot from 2001 yeah it's like yeah. well it, it's not necessarily pulling from it but it's like affectionately kind of well it has almost the same structure um yeah. I would say that, like, I got I got a little bit of Close Encounters of the Third Kind vibe at the beginning as well. Mm. Like, it, it did kind of feel like a classic serious space movie. So, like, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is more of a serious space movie than, like, the average Spielberg thing, which would have been, like, fun space aliens and adventure or whatever, and it wasn't that at mm-hmm. all, right? It was much more, like, skewing towards the hard sci-fi as much as he would ever probably do. But, um, and... And then 2001, the structure of this movie is very similar, right? Like yeah. there's this sort of like transcendent thing that's going to happen at the end. And, you know, you're kind of working on this mission and some things go wrong. Like it, it definitely had that sort yeah, of classic AI, feel the... and it got the AIs and stuff. But Well, and even the music, like actually the very first 2001 reference that felt really oh, like uh, like a really clear reference, like obviously intentional reference, is like at the very beginning before there's any space stuff at all. Uh, the, so I'm not a huge fan of, of like Nolan's Hans Zimmer scores, the, 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 in general. I do think the one for this movie actually is pretty, pretty okay. It's kind of like, it fits the movie really well. Um, but it's a lot of like organ and, uh, which feels very 2000, 2001. And there's right at the very beginning, there's a, 
a moment where the organ kind of holds on this chord and then lets off and there's the echo. And that's exact. I think it was even the same chord as the uh, the end of the or the end of the also opening of or whatever. The, also Sprach Zarathustra. Yeah, yeah. And, which is the, uh, the you know, because the organ holds yeah. a little bit longer than the orchestra. It cuts off a little late and then yes. the organ echoes. Yes. And it did that exact thing, I think, on the same chords. Okay. Same chords. And I think uh, and it was just like my brain was immediately like, ah, 2001. And I and uh, so I think I think that was intentional. That must have been intentional. I don't know. But I would say exactly the same thing. I mean, not. I mean, I'm not going to be able to identify those chords. You're you're you know way more about classical music than I do. But what I would say is that I also so like in a in the Batman movies, for example, mm-hmm. I found uh, the Hans Zimmer scores to be really grating and annoying. Yeah. And I felt like they didn't really work for me. Like things I, that happens with Hans Zimmer scores to me sometimes. I totally agree, though. In this movie. I felt like it all just worked. Like it the perhaps because his scores are so they're very like overbearing, yeah. but at the same time spare. Like there's very little going on in the score, but it's very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And that matched this movie. Yeah. Like space feels more like a yeah. Hans Zimmer score than Batman, right? To me, like just oh, so totally. it worked in a way that again, um, I think one one thing we could say, and I don't know if we'd ever do Dunkirk on this podcast, but one thing I would say is that this movie had a lot in common with Dunkirk in that way, which is that the strengths of Nolan films yeah. match this topic a lot better than some other Nolan films. And so I feel like everything was kind of working in concert, which I think is one of the reasons I enjoyed it more. And of course, also the fact that I think movies have just gotten worse. So I appreciate this more than I maybe would have 10 years ago. Yeah, well, and it's it's funny you mentioned Dunkirk because uh, Dunkirk is is the other Nolan movie that I, I liked. And I think it's it's the same, like I really like kind of, they're, they're very experiential movies. They're kind of like yes. an, an assault on your senses almost, right? You kind of just sit there and like there's just visuals and, and sound and it's all kind of, um, you get kind of like, it's almost like a trance or something. You get really lost in that. And Dunkirk was very similar. Yes, even more so because that yeah. one's like very much just the cacophony of war and, yeah. and not really trying to tell a story. It's more just trying to make you feel like you're there yeah, and it and works think, really well. Yeah, and I think this movie is the same. It's like when he tries to do story, I, he just fails. He's really not good at story. Well, there's a couple of things about that too. It's story and, and there's one other thing. We'll, we'll talk about but, it in a second. But, but yes, I do think, I, I, I think he's like a really, a really strong filmmaker in general. I mean, I do think he's weaker at some elements. I think uh, sometimes with like complex like action kind of things, things That's can exactly get a little incoherent. Say. Like yes. you're like, you're like, wait, what's exactly going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it super matters in, in this movie. I-, I felt like it did. Actually, we yeah. But we can talk about that There's later. There's one yeah. scene in particular where it's confusing. I, I, fa- I found myself being like, wait, what? But in general, I think, you know, since I am I, I'm a person who really likes space stuff, this, mer- this movie works really well for those purposes, right? It's yeah. like it's like you're there somehow. I don't know. It's really, really nicely done. I do feel like the attention to that attention to detail and that insistence on like I know that he likes to do everything practical or whatever, like has yeah. to, likes to have the sets made, likes to have everything, you know. You feel it. And I assume that that is part of what that feeling comes from. It's like, look this feels like we're really in a spaceship probably because someone actually built all of that spaceship and they probably tried really hard to get like the weightlessness feeling right and the this and then that and like it it matters in this movie because without that I don't think this movie is very interesting Mm -hmm. with that really tangible I'm going to space feel it's actually like it, it 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 makes 
watching this movie engaging in a way that I don't think it would because, as I think we'll get to, like, uh, there's a bunch of things I didn't like about this movie. And if you hadn't had that really good shot crafting that's mm-hmm. going on, I think this would have been a complete wash. Like, I wouldn't have enjoyed it at all. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. on the contrary, I actually enjoyed this movie. And I think it was literally just because he's that good at making good-looking shots. Yeah, yes. Uh, let me transition to criticizing that sure, a little yeah, bit. Sure, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I really like how good the shots look. What I don't like is how they're put together. And you sort of alluded to this. I feel like his decisions about how to and it, it, I don't know if it's like in the storyboarding originally like we just didn't plan it that well or if it's in the editing um or what but the end result as me when I watch Christopher Nolan films almost you like entirely like any Christopher Nolan film that has any kind of a complex scene in it I never know where anything is mm-hmm. ever there were a number of times when that happened in this film They weren't super important, so it wasn't that bad because, again, the story in this is certainly the weakest part. And so while it does make it harder for me to be engaged in some of the action, it doesn't matter that much. But, like, examples would be there is a scene on a, like, an ice planet. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. This, so this ice, the the Matt Damon planet, the ice the planet, Matt Damon that, planet, that because that was the scene I was I was talking okay. about. Before. That's the one where it's like I have no idea what is happening there, like going on there, wherever anything is. Especially at the end, yes. like he flies out in a ship, and you're like, there was another ship. Okay, perfect. Like, so yeah, I'm really glad you're on the same page here because during that entire sequence, so so basically, like almost from start to end, um, I had no idea where on the planet we were. I had no idea how many modules there were or had landed. I didn't know how many things could take off and land. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where he and Matt Damon were relative to the base or how long they'd been walking. Like, I thought they'd only been walking a few minutes, but then they were like an entire, uh, like, rocket ride, like almost like miles away. I didn't know which characters were in which modules because, like, Somebody like one of the guys left and was working on the robot. I didn't even realize that was a different module. Right. I have the same module. There's an explosion at one point. I didn't know what had exploded because I figured I guess it's the like the the robot the robot yeah, like yeah. safety trap, but I didn't know where that robot was. So like that entire sequence I thought um to me illustrated what I don't like about Nolan movies, which is that he doesn't like to contrast it to someone who does like this was the thing that I always thought Spielberg was an absolute master of Mm. when you watch something like Indiana Jones or something like that, that has these complex action sequences where there's all these people in multiple places doing things. I always know exactly what's happening. Yeah. And I think it's an underrated skill because then you see it here and there's nothing like wrong with any particular part of this sequence. Like, if you were just look at individual shots, the shots all look fine. But when they are assembled, they form a fairly incoherent kind of mess. And I think it's an underrated skill to put together action sequences like that in a way that are really easy for the viewer to understand viscerally without having to cognitively think, okay, well, something exploded, so it must have been, like, yeah. it, it, it breaks you out of that, and it, and it loses some of what you were talking about, that 
that feel of really being there, it's just shattered during yeah. those scenes. And I didn't like that. No, totally. Because the, the Matt Damon scene was the main one where that yes. like became a problem. Like, I, I'm... I, like it pulled me like the the moment that really pulled me out of the movie was yeah like they're they're in the ship they you know they rescued um Matthew McConaughey or whatever and they're flying back up to the the spinny ship and then suddenly Matt Damon has beat them there yeah and I was like wait he has his own ship like yeah. I, mean, I guess he did I was like I guess he would have had his own ship but then I then no, I was like the, oh no the they brought two, two ships and I was like they brought two ships which down which I also didn't know I didn't know until yeah. after at the like the much later scene where they're like yeah. assigning all the ships to do stuff and I'm like yeah. oh there are multiple ships there yes. and it's like. I don't know. Yeah, it was like this failure to explain what what actually the situation was. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Interstellar kind of like has these big chunks that are much more experiential. And those are the, those I think where the movie really, really is good. Um, these long sort of periods of time where there's just like I think the wave planet, the planet with the, the wave is actually a really good example where it's super simple. Like there's not that much happening there. It's pretty straightforward. And so I think that planet works a lot better. Um because it's not it's not confusing and it's it's a it's a very yeah the shots all make sense you know where everything is yeah. it's it's pretty straightforward and it's visually yeah. like that's actually because I have I hadn't seen this there was two sh- scenes I remembered really clearly from my first viewing this movie the wave the wave planet scene because ah. that's just it's like so striking and yeah. creepy and strange and then the other was the spinning um, yeah when they're docking with the spinning yeah. uh, that was like super memorable like the music and the 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 intensity and the feeling and it's like that's re- I really like. Uh, that's actually, I think the spinning part might be my favorite scene in the movie. I think it's just like really intense. That scene also, uh, I mean, maybe because it's so simple because there's only two things, so you're not confused, but like that scene didn't have this problem. No. I understood what was going on. Right, because you'd seen the docking. They did what a, was happening. Right, because like he, they, you'd seen them do the docking mm-hmm. before. Yep. You understood what was happening. There, It was, yes. uh, yeah. So it was just that, I feel like that was a really well done scene. And the spinning is like, it's like disorienting yeah. and, and. The only thing I would say about that is that. So it did have it did suffer a little bit from the same problem uh, in a in a broader sense, which is that, for example, I didn't know and still don't how many docking ports that thing has. So Matt Damon accidentally blows one of them up. For all I know, that's the only one. Now, it turns out that there's multiple ones and we did kind of know that there was one in the centerpiece and then Matt Damon was going with one on the outside. So it wasn't a big deal. Cause I was like, okay, I saw that one's on the outside. And I remember at the beginning they docked at the middle one, but like, I now still don't really know. Do each of the modules have like, like it's again, kind of this problem of like, they've constructed something, but I'm not really that familiar with it. And then it does come into play later how many yeah. of these things they were. I also don't know why Matt Damon would have been docking at that one well, other than the convenience yeah. of the story, which is a little... Con- or or it could eh. be it could be the um, specific ships because there's all these different ships have to dock at certain ones, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, all these like- things are like, like they're all kind of fuzzy in my head and that is less good when they end up being relevant well, to the I story. Think, I think it's also like probably kind of a letdown too because I'm pretty sure they actually thought all that through. They probably kind of worked out like here's what this ship is, here's how it all works, but they totally failed to communicate any of that to the to the viewer. Yeah. And it's kind of a letdown cuz it, cuz it's like, you know, they clearly put effort into making this thing feel complex and realistic and and like believable, but that never really translates super well um sometimes to the viewer. No, I mean, yeah. Uh 
I, I guess I don't know what else to say about that yeah. other than you can sense this problem throughout the movie, mm-hmm. and it's kind of just a thing that happens in these Christopher Nolan movies, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, he obviously doesn't perceive that. When he watches this movie, he doesn't think that's confusing, but it always is to well, me. Well, I think it's always it's, – so. it's really hard – because he I'm, made it, he probably doesn't know. But, well, that's the thing, but still, like, like some directors obviously know. They're like, "Oh, I have to show this," and he doesn't. I don't know why. Maybe he thinks we're just we're just too dumb. We should no, watch more carefully. I, I mean, don't know. maybe, but I think it's also. I mean, I'm not a director, but having worked on like a comic, which is similar in some ways, yeah, it's it's really hard to know what people are understanding. Yeah. Like you can you can kind of you can ho- you can guess you can be like trying yeah. to communicate like okay here's where things are here's where people but but at the end of the day it can be really hard to know and I don't know if too if sometimes like with these big projects where it's like there's a lot of um, effects or you know practical or otherwise um, if sometimes your plan uh, yeah, you know, goes awry. at the end yeah. at the end you get your footage back and you're like you're having to edit it and you're like eh you know maybe it's not quite what you expected. But since this is a consistent problem with Nolan movies, I think it is probably just um, something about the way his brain kind of Yeah, puts works. together these sequences yeah. does not quite work yeah. if for, it were just like for a, people who don't already know what's happening. Yeah. Right? You know, another criticism I have often of Nolan movies, a, a criticism I certainly well, had... You of, know what? Let it, me pause you there for one second, though, because this is a movie club. Oh. And so I feel like this is my first opportunity to ask a question. Sure. Because we we aren't used to being able to ask a question. Sure. So I guess what I would say is you you just heard us talk a lot about this sequencing problem. I would like to hear from movie club members what did do you have this problem with Nolan movies? So yeah. is it just us or is this like the other folks who watched this movie? What did you think of that? Because I feel like it's probably something a lot of people would have a problem with, but I don't really know. Like, maybe it's just us, and we're, like, less good at... Like, like maybe maybe almost because we work on things like comics and 3D video game stuff, maybe our brains really want to know the 3D locations of everything really well, and other people are happier with less with more abstract things, and it doesn't... Their brain doesn't uh, bother. Like, it's like, oh, I'll just... Resolve that well, later. It, it's possible that we're looking for more concreteness than we need. So I'd be interested to hear what do people think. Like, like, w- like that's a pretty easy thing to like a yes or no kind of thing. Like, what is how confusing was that sequence to you in terms of did you care? Did you all know all that stuff? And did you care? Right. Like, when did it take you out of the movie? Because I could totally imagine. I could totally imagine people just not minding that kind of. Yeah, thing. Like, like maybe like, just like uh, something blew up and it. The impact of it blowing up was fine, and I didn't need to know exactly what it was. I was happy to, like, learn that later. Or it could also be that it's like, no, I knew what that was. Like, like my brain just automatically put it together quickly, and it didn't take me out of the movie. You know, I, and I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. No, to- definitely. I-, I would be curious. There's a range of, like, I mean, even we're we're different on this. Like, yes. I need a lot less information than you do. Yeah. Um, and probably didn't have, like, you know, a lot of the things you kind of mentioned, I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. Like, while they were on the planet... I, yeah. I, you know, I was just like, eh, eh. You know, a lot of the time it yeah, doesn't yeah. really matter that much, but there were a few times where it did, and and that's when it pulls me out anyway. 
Um, so sorry. Anyway, I interrupted you, but I just wanted to get that in there. Oh yeah, it was a yeah. Chance to ask, and I was like, oh, we can ask questions now. Yeah. Well, right, I think, sorry. So continue I, with what you were saying. Before. Well, yeah. So this is this is a, probably my one of my main issues with Nolan, and it only it's really only apparent in a few of his movies. The main one being Inception, and I really didn't like Inception. Okay. And this movie, I think its weakest part is when it gets a little bit uh, trippy. I think Nolan okay. is really bad at like surrealism. Okay. Like, uh, like my, you know, my criticisms with Inception. I mean, to be fair, I should probably watch it again. It's been a long time, but my impression when I came out of that movie was, you know, for a movie about dreams, like this movie was not very surreal. Okay, right? okay, like, okay. Yeah, I, he's he's like, uh, he's almost too concrete. He's too like literal or something. Like his, and, and honestly, I think I kind of relate to it because in a lot of ways, I think I'm similar. And so, like, in this movie, I think comparing it to 2001 is actually really helpful. Okay. Because 2001 nails surrealness. Like, right? Okay. That movie is just like, what? You know? But in a way that really works, for the most part, um, when it when it's strange, it's, like, very strange. It feels otherworldly and alien and, like, what the heck, right? In a good way. But, like, you know, the last the last main major scene of this movie is when he goes, you know, he goes in the... In the black hole. Yes. In this like tesseract thing. And it's like he's behind a bookshelf. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm like, come on. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's not, it's like trying to be like surreal. Yeah. You know, I think it's trying. And I think, you know, this part is really close to 2001, the ending of 2001. It's, very close, it's like yes. there's clearly, he's, you know, I, I mean, I, I view this movie almost as, as Nolan, like, trying to do like a maybe like a modern remake of 2001 i would agree with you there it, it felt very similar yeah uh, but and i would also agree with the criticism that you were sort of getting into there which is that the ending of 2001 feels and you know uh, i don't know again we could ask uh, the club here but the ending of 2001 feels very satisfying to me yeah even though no idea what's happening, <laughs> it's not really very well explained. Meaning, yeah. like, like it, there's not a lot of concrete things you could say about the ending. You can give your interpretation of it, and you but know, I mean, that's but, how something should feel. It's like, yeah. like this is supposed to be beyond our ability yes. to understand. Yes, and so you have to, like, as a filmmaker, I think it's a difficult task. But you're trying to like give people something that feels that way. That feels like. It's beyond our ability to really make much yes. sense of, but still commun- like still gives you the right kind of feeling. Yes. And uh, and and like this movie just and, and Interstellar just doesn't it it really fails at that. Um, it it re- the denouement, if you will, mm-hmm. in Interstellar is, I, I mean, really you you might call it the climax and denouement. Everything from basically the point where he goes into the black hole till the end feels really overexplained. Mm-hmm. There's like tons of expositional dialogue of like of like Matthew McConaughey saying things that we obviously already know because it's painfully obvious what's happening. And then like we see like their future Saturn base and like his daughter is an old person and there's just it's like everything that the 2001 ending does right this does wrong. Exactly. It's like everything is super concrete and here's exactly what happened and here's the old museum of the farmhouse it's like it's like, come on. Like, yeah. And so... It's eye roll. It's like literally it's, eye roll. It's You're like, really come bad. on. Like it, that. Yeah. yeah. Which is um, not a great way to end your movie, right? <laughs> no. And uh, 
I guess I would say that, you know, maybe that's a good segue into talking about sort of the structural problems yeah. with this movie, which to me all come down to just the screenwriting. I think it had a lot of issues. Yep. Uh, By far the weakest part of this movie, I would say, is the is just the story. The screenplay, the screenplay is the weakest yeah. part of this movie. Oh, by, by far. far. Yeah. By far. Yep. Um, if, it's almost better if you just took that stuff out and just had it be like, yeah, there's just an astronaut doing stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, an edit of this movie, in my opinion, would be a 10 times better movie. Yeah. If you cut out most of the stuff that happens back on Earth yep. and you cut out everything after he drops into the black hole... Honestly, this movie gets 10 times better for me right away, pretty much. Yeah, um, totally. But let me let me go into a little more detail on sure. that. We can start with the things I liked about the screenplay, and there's literally, I think, only one. Okay. Um, I, I really didn't like the screenplay for this movie. Uh, fortunately, like we were saying, it doesn't matter that much. It's a, it's a, in the same way that, you know, watching... Apollo 13, the doc, or not Apollo 13, uh, Apollo 11, we saw uh, that documentary where they put it together with just footage, just real footage from the period. Yeah. And it was fantastic. There's no screenplay. It just, here's, you know. Right, right, right. It's just an edit. Reality, right? And to sense, yeah. to sense someone had to, like, decide what order they go in, but, you know, they go in the order of the mission, kind of, right? Like, mm-hmm. but... Uh, and this movie had a similar feel. Like, it really feels good to, like, watch this thing and, you know... I, I almost don't care that the story isn't really very good, but, it, you know, this is movie club, so I would like to talk about just how not good it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought the story was really bad. The one thing that I liked was the cut back to Earth where they did a flip. So there's a scene where Matthew McConaughey is watching a video feed from his daughter. Mm-hmm. And then they do a, like, the reverse shot of that just snap and you're back on Earth mm-hmm. and the story does some Earth stuff for a while. Yeah, yeah. I felt that was extremely good. Mm. Like the the effect of that screenwriting, like we'll put these two back to back and it'll like, you won't think you're going back to Earth, but then you do and some interesting stuff is happening back at Earth. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah, no, that was good. I I think there, I, you know what, I should say, there's, there's one other thing too. So okay. I guess I'm, I'm cutting it a little short. There was one other thing I liked. The other thing that I liked in the screenwriting was the initial setup on Earth where, like, there's a – a what looks like a – it looked like one of the U.S.'s predator drones. Mm-hmm. But, it, but they said it was, it was Canadian. Indian. Or Indian or Canadian? I thought they said. I couldn't – I, I, I thought – yeah. One, the sound another mixing country. on Nolan films is not always yeah, great. No. Another, I thought he foreign, said it was Indian. I thought he said it was Canadian. <clears throat> so it, something Ian – Oh, we Anna, just, wait. Canadians don't know how to build a drone. What are you talking about? I'm just about? saying, okay, okay clearly. Canadian we, would make a lot more sense. Because it's closer. Because it's closer. When he said, in, I thought he said Indian, probably because I couldn't hear. And I was like, gosh, that's really far for this drone to fly. But I'm like, maybe that's supposed to be that. Because it's like, oh, Canadian would make a lot more sense. Okay. Because um, it's just over the border, right? Like, it I'm could assuming, just fly. I'm assuming, I thought I heard Canadian. I don't know. It could Let's be. Let's say it's Canadian because that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not American was the point. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I really liked when he sees that drone and they like, they have a they flat tire, it. but they drive like, you know, they're going to like destroy the wheel of this car, basically. They just drive to find it. Uh, and it's this this really great, like, it's it's not the thing that a lot of movies do where there's all this exposition to tell mm-hmm. you what's going on on Earth. It's like that 
gives you this sense of how valuable old technology actually is. And like your that whole scene, I was wondering like, oh, why do they care about catching it? Like it just felt really good, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it it gave you this sense of what it's like on Earth and and how interested he was in technology and like all this stuff. I felt like that's really good screenwriting. Um, in a way, again, that's not done anymore. Oh, the, totally. Yeah. The Disney version of this movie has a thirty, uh, well, it probably like a minute thirty voiceover at the beginning that's like technology declined when the famines began. Like, you know, it's yeah. just like oh, it yeah. tells you all this stuff and it's really annoying, right? Yeah, yeah. And this movie at least figures out how to get that in there in a more visceral way. You can see yeah. that happen. I do think the opening is really strong and then it, you know, it, it's a real letdown from there uh, in terms of just like character stuff. Like, like, oh man, one of the most eye-rolling moments, at least for me, I don't know, is like he happens to find... So he gets, like, the coordinates, and he just drives. <laughs> and he just happens to find this place, like NASA or whatever. Just yeah. happens to find it. And then they're like, they all know each other. Yeah, And they were like, weird. oh, you have to pilot this ship. Yeah, and really, really oh, wait, bad. wait, what? It's really bad. Like, it's just, you're just like, seriously? Um, like, it's just, you know, that kind of stuff is just kind of silly. Um, and it, it seems almost, like, it seems like it wouldn't have been necessary. Like, it seems like there would have been a simpler way to make that. Do you know what I mean? Just have him be that guy. Like, have him work there. He lives... You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, I, I do think... So, you, you, one of the problems with the screenplay is they kind of painted themselves into a bit of a corner. So, the obvious way to write that beginning part that would have been much more satisfying and, and not have the problem you're talking about, because I agree, that was terrible. Uh, it's, like, laughable. Like, it's you're, laughably you're like, bad. You're like... It, yeah. Hey, Carl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, do you want to pilot our thing? That's well, it also doesn't tomorrow? make it, like, it, it also <laughs> like, doesn't make any sense why yeah. he's being interrogated at the beginning because they already know who he is. So it's like yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, the the normal thing to do is they're like on the farm and like the the like black truck drives up. Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, Cooper, like we need you back." And you're like, "Who needs me back?" And they're like, "NASA." And like NASA doesn't exist anymore. It's like. Actually, it does. Smash cut to car, like pulling, right? You know, like it's the. Yeah, it's even more, Roland Emmerich wouldn't mess that up, uh, right? <laughs> but well, but yeah, this, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like I don't know. sure, maybe it's cliched, but like, who cares? That's not the important part of the movie, right? Well, it's cliched, but it it works. It, works. it makes it sense, works. right? This one is just nonsensical. You're just like that doesn't make sense. But I think they paint themselves in a corner because they needed. They were so invested in this idea that like At the a, a five dimensional Matthew yeah, McConaughey. Yeah is going to signal a bunch of crap back to himself and his daughter that without that, like, what are they going to send back? Like, that, there's only one thing he sends back to himself, and it's the coordinates to NASA. So you take out that part, and it's like, okay, what else, what would he send back? I don't know. There's nothing to send back if they just come and get him. Um, And because they wanted NASA to not be a thing in the viewer's mind so that it could be a surprise that it comes back, they couldn't have had him send back that information to, say, Brand or something, which is the normal thing you would do because then he would go get him, blah, blah, blah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I do think they kind of, they didn't think that through and they were trying to do a force. They were trying yeah. to like force this loop thing that they wanted and the result was the ending, the, the beginning kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I, eh. You, you you see why I think they they couldn't go with the more straightforward thing because they kind of oh, yeah, screwed no, themselves. Oh yeah, no, totally, right. totally. Um, but it's just it's you know as we said, those are the weakest parts of the of the movie, at least you know, in our opinion. The beginning and the end. The beginning and the end, yeah, yeah. which is which you know. is too bad. 
Um, Although, you know, throughout a lot of the stuff that's happening on Earth, I, I think the the strongest stuff that happens on Earth is at the beginning. I do think that, like, the opening, Yeah, the you know, tracing the drone minutes, is great. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and the dust and the, like, the, it just, it, yeah. the, the feeling of oh, yeah. basically, like, this oppressive, like, pending doom yeah yeah it's like it's and you know and like goes to school and it's like oh they've changed the textbooks and stuff which is a little bit like on the nose a little bit like eh. but you know but it but it also is like well i think 10 years ago it would have felt on the nose yeah t- t- now it feels almost like oh you think the only thing they're going to change in the textbook is the moon landing yeah. <laughs> Christopher no, you Nolan. Know, it's have funny. you seen what we changed these days no it's <laughs> funny because I, I had a similar reaction yeah. where at first i was like oh come on and then i was like no, actually, they no, actually, did. Totally. no, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think it was like you know that was it was it was really good at setting up the state of the world without being yeah. like you know hitting you over the head with it too much. Yeah. Um, and I and I I think it was really nice, but pretty quickly from there on out, once he discovers NASA, and I think th- things uh, the storyline on Earth kind of all starts to fall apart for me. Well, I also think so. There's a couple <clears throat> things that I think were uh, were. <sighs> handled poorly with the Earth storyline. So first of all, uh, he probably shouldn't have had a son. Uh, I think that was a fairly large mistake. So the reason I think that was a mistake is because the entire stuff that happens on Earth feels very anemic. Mm -hmm. You don't spend very much time with the son at all. You don't really know who he is. He ends up having a family and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And taking over the farm. And, and taking over the farm and all this stuff. But you barely notice that. And the story wants you to care about things there. Like I think it's – like, <clears throat> honestly, the only reason he's probably in it is so that the farmhouse continues to be a place that uh, – what's the girl's name? Murphy. Murphy. Murph can go to. Like, I think that's the only reason he's in it, right? Well, no. I think – okay. Well, let me, let me lay out this a little bit here because I, I feel like I understand this part pretty well and I think – they did it wrong. Okay. I mean, sorry. Like, you know, I, I tend to have strong opinions on screenwriting, so I apologize. I feel like there's wrong and right and wrong ways to do things sometimes. Like, some things are subjective. Some things are just like, I think objectively this was a bad idea hmm. because of what you ended up with, right? And in this case, I think that was the case. Okay. So, in my opinion, if you're going to have so little content happening on Earth, because it's very little screen time, you can't have that many characters. And so if you had just said, look, he, he just has a daughter, mm-hmm. okay, then two things get better. One is you don't have the, the videos of the, from the son to him mm-hmm. because then it, that actually, I think, undercut the emotion of that relationship because he was getting videos. It would be way better if he just got videos saying, we don't have anything for you or just like no messages received. And then the one time that he checks and it's like there is a message from his daughter, it feels a lot more impactful in a way to yeah. me. Well, um, that's a good point, too, because I do feel like the, it's it's constantly trying to split like the split time attention. between these two characters. Yes. Well, at the end of the day, it's asking you to... Like, you know, the whole, the whole you know, gut punch, you know, intended gut punch of the end of the movie, right, of, of Murphy being old and dying or whatever, is yeah. just, like, kind of undermined a little bit, I think, by the fact that, like, in, in most of her adult scenes anyway, like, I don't know, there, there wasn't a lot of communication happening or, or focus put on, on the relationship between... Well, there's a lot of split attention. The sun... Yeah. It, it also, back on Earth, there's a thing with, like, okay, they have, like, dust, like, lung disease from the dust. And, like, 
I don't care. I don't know these characters. I don't know his children. I don't know his wife. I'm totally confused about why that's in this movie, right? Well, it's interesting another conflict, too, because like he and oh, Murph don't get along. And it's and like, like it's t- there's just no room for this in the story. Yeah. Whereas if it was just like she ends up, you do the split cut, you, you do the, the, the reverse cut, it's her back on, on Earth. Because this whole time, we don't know what has happened to her. This would have been so much better, right? <laughs> like, it would have been, you're out in you're out in space, haven't heard from the daughter, haven't heard from the daughter, haven't heard from the daughter. Maybe there's a message from the, the father, right? And, like, one or two messages from John Lithgow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then nothing, right? And, uh, you know, did he die? I don't know, right? Like, th- there could have been so much good there. And then you get the daughter, and she says, you know, uh... Da- you know, you know, uh, Grandpa died. That's what that's what mm-hmm. I would have done, right? And it's like I thought you should know, so I'm, you know, I'm recording this and whatever. And like, by the way, I'm, I'm like this old. I got one more year. Tom, as old as you are. Like, like I would have made that scene be really good, and they didn't quite do it. And then when you do the flip cut back to her, she's there and she's taught. You know, she's at NASA. That's a big reveal. That's great. I love it. But then it could have been like she hasn't been back to that farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't there's no go, we haven't gone back to us. None of that stuff. But then like when the dude dies, when Michael Caine dies, she's like sitting there thinking. Right. And like she's sitting there thinking. And then she like she thinks to herself, like, wait a minute, I got to go back there. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we see the car. She like runs down like she gets in the car. She drives off. She comes into the farmhouse. She goes upstairs to the bookshelf. And now she's looking at the bookshelf for the first time. Just her alone in the house. It, I mean, just thinking about it in my head, it's so much better. It, it's so much better than what they did. It's also a lot clearer because I feel like, you know, another one, another scene where I feel like there was some of that confusion was when the scene where she lights the she lights the cornfield on fire in I order to distract not, yeah. the brother. Well, to come and they have to leave because it's all going to burn down or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, but I think I think it was just, and then she's upstairs, like it trying to. Insert, work. It's like yeah, it's just kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, and like unnecessarily it adding work. complexity. Yeah. Um, where yeah, I mean something like you just described is obviously a lot simpler and a lot clearer. Um. And a lot more dramatic because it's like, where is she going? Oh, she's going to the farmhouse. Why is she going to the farmhouse? Like, what's going to be there? Because your attention is not being pulled in in different directions. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that just streamlining the Earth stuff was really important because they simply didn't spend any time there. You so you, really you can just have the daughter and Michael K. Yeah. That's it. You don't have time for anything. Yeah, else, and I think right? I just at the end of the day, like I just didn't care about, because there was not about time. Murph. Like I didn't care about her. I mean, you're, yeah. you're right. Like I think there, this movie talks a lot about like love and yeah. and like you know, and is it's trying to be powerful, right? Talking about and like you know, and and the fact that he is losing all this time, like especially when they're on the wave planet and they're thinking about how many years are passing, and and I think it's just like it's. It's missing out on what could be kind of a gut punch emotionally, um, and it's trying to. It, it like wants you to it feel wants that, to do that, but it's not. Really it's work. failing at it. Um, and if it, like, I think if that movie could have succeeded on that front, it would be like pretty near a masterpiece, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean the the screenplay really drags this movie down, in my opinion, yeah. to because the the filmmaking otherwise, you know, modulo the edit thing we were talking about, where there's some confusion. But honestly, I think that's that's like it's passable. A minor, if, it's a minor if the story, issue. If the if the the story is good, absolutely, I think that's fine. Yeah. Absolutely. So I totally agree. I think the screenplay is what really falls over in this one and makes it not. Um, 
anyway, so talking about the lo- the other part of the screenplay that doesn't work, which is the like love part and yeah, ending, yeah. that kind of thing. I do feel like that whole, I mean, again, probably the fix for this is to not do this, like just leave the ending more ambiguous like 2001 did because I think that's just smarter mm-hmm. than trying to come up with an explanation for things. But there's so many problems with what they maybe were both both thematically and scientifically trying to like interweave here. They didn't really pull off any of it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the talking about love part doesn't didn't really make any sense because I, I feel like one of the problems of talking about love in a movie is that everyone kind of has a fair bit of experience with it in real life. Like it's not like science fiction where you're talking about things that I don't really know about. Like everyone has some relationship with love, good or bad or whatever. And so trying to sell it as if love is some kind of a way to like see into the future or or perceive things. I mean, people have seen so many disastrous things related to love in their life usually that how, what are you talking about? Like, Nobody in their right mind would try to convince someone else that, like, picking which planet to go to based on love is a good idea. Like, like nobody would say that because you're just like, we've all known making bad decisions for love. Like, everyone knows that. In fact, it's the subject of most other movies, <laughs> right? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I feel like that whole scene where they were trying to say that that was a thing, it it really just felt... Like it went so against what everyone knows. Love is many faceted. You you can't use it for decision making. That's not really what it is, right? It's a complex emotion. You might just as likely be making a bad decision for right. love as a good decision for love. And we all know that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But trying to like You're trying to it, make it into some sort of like magical who would say force that? in the yeah. universe, like it doesn't um, work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is the this is. I think Nolan fails when he tries to get a- abstract in any way, and I think this is kind of another example of that. A little bit, like he's not good at it. He just ends up going yeah. with something really literal. It's like yes. love. Yes, you know the human emotion. Like yeah, I, yeah. I honestly <laughs> think Nolan might be a little bit of a robot or something. Um, <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, but yeah, totally. I, I just, yeah, it's yeah. like, it just ends up coming across as like cheesy and, and like. It just falls very fa- flat. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know. And it doesn't need to, like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't need to be well, like again, that. Again, cut that scene out. Exactly. Um, you, you wanted to go there because you love this guy. That's a bad decision. Move on. Like, like, like that would have been fine. Like, like the fact that they like pick the other planet because, you know, they don't trust her was totally fine. Just don't try to have the sales pitch, cut that sales pitch out and the rest of the scene works, right? So again, it's like it's undermining itself by inserting these things that would have just been better left treated the way the rest of it is treated, right? Yeah, And so that to me just totally fell flat and that scene sucked, right? Like like that scene felt so out of place in this movie uh, where everything else is about like the nitty gritty of we're going to space and here's the module and launch mm-hmm. this and fire those rockets at four dimensions and what, right? Yeah. And then suddenly love is is yeah. is humanity's beacon. It's like, no, it's not. It just seems pretty clear to me that like Nolan is a very like nitty gritty, like he, he, he needs to be making like 
literal things. Yeah. Hands on. Yeah. Don't go abstract. Don't try to make it, yeah. you know, don't make it about dreams and don't yeah. make it about, like, you yeah. know, don't make it abstract. Like, like Apollo 13. Or, Apollo no, 13 Apollo would be, no, Apollo 13. Oh, the actual, like the Tom w- Hanks, the to- yeah, like, okay. would have been a great, you know, I-, I think that was a good movie, actually, so I don't, I'm not yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. like, Ron Howard did a bad job. That's the kind of movie he should make. Yeah. This is a concrete series of events involving a spaceship which, that happens. Yeah. Right? Which is why I think Dunkirk, for me, worked yes. really well. It's like he's not yeah. trying to to do anything particularly abstract. And I think for me, it's why um, Inception, I just really didn't like anything about that. that. One, we so should probably, we maybe. should do that at some well, point. Well, we'll see. Maybe Because I haven't seen it in a long time. But I just, right. I just, <laughs> there was not that much about that movie that I found. Because I mean, imagine a movie, right? Like all the, all the parts of like this movie that failed, that's basically all of what Inception. So. Okay. In well, my opinion, I mean, probably, you know what? Let's not say too much about it. Because okay. probably we should watch it again. Okay. So I can make sure that's what I actually think. But, okay. But yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, and it's, it, it was just such a disappointment for this movie to end on such a, like. Well, so yeah, the <laughs> yeah. ending had a similar problem, which is that like, okay, you know, it's. It's hard to understand scientifically, meaning like you're you're try- like the ending was trying to tell me some rules about the universe uh, for the for the first time, sort of where like, OK, he falls into well, for some reason, his ship is being destroyed and he ejects, but he is not destroyed, which I don't understand. But supposedly that happens. Right. And then according to his exposition, which may or may not be correct, but this is what he says, like humanity from the future, because this the central conceit of this movie is that gravity works cross time. So basically yeah. like, you know, space time uh, can be manipulated where th- at least the gravitational aspects of it, the mass gravitational aspects of it work across like, like, Somebody from one point in 4D can modify another point in 4D without their time uh, axis being without without their point on the time axis being the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm 50 years in the future. I can still modify the gravity 50 years in the past at some arbitrary point, mm-hmm. apparently. And so the movie is like making that the central conceit. That seems fine. I mean, like, there's no particular reason we couldn't imagine four dimensions being a thing that people can manipulate in the future. Um, and I guess it's not that weird to think that maybe only one of them is really all that modifiable. So, like, we can't really change space directly. We can only change the gravitational field. And so anything we want to do in space has to be done indirectly Mm -hmm. right like we change the forces with the the gravitational force the only thing we can do however what i don't understand is if that's true and the future humans wanted to do something to earth like move it to saturn or whatever they ended up doing like they just can do that like they can modify gravity so they could just do that or literally just use gravity to like you know actually just place the actual like ink of a thing in the in the equation set up like like there was no if they can do stuff like take a person who's falling into a black hole and like wormhole them all the way back to a bookshelf like 30 years earlier I didn't understand why they wouldn't just have directly sent the thing yeah, it's back. like why why if you can send him to his bookshelf 
where he has to like send messages in the sand, right? Like it's just it's, it doesn't make any it, sense. No, it doesn't. Other than you wanted the story to go this way, and seemingly like so if if I just take the things they actually did, which is all right. We can create a wormhole that allows Matthew McConaughey to basically go from the inside of a black hole to Saturn. Yeah. Because that's where they find him. Yeah. Then why wouldn't the thing you do just like, hey, in the future, we super enlightened humans want to save humanity from their old past self. And we're in this like sort of standing four-dimensional structure where future humans save past humans, which technically can't happen if you assume that things have to go forward in time. But if you assume that everything is just one four-dimensional structure, that's fine. So I'm okay with that. Why wouldn't they just create a wormhole on Earth that's like a door, like that you walk through and you're in the future, right, where we're safe, right? I mean, that's what you do. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this story would have worked better if it were more just like, oh, this is like an anomaly we found Yes. That worked. Not some intentional yes. human, hu- future human um, exactly. trapping thing. Yeah. One of the Again, one of the reasons 2001 works so well is it doesn't raise any questions of why didn't people trying to help humanity do X? Because at no time during 2001 is the question ever answered as to whether this was supposed to help or hurt humans. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think in later books... It's revealed that they didn't want to help us. They just wanted to know when we found it, and they're actually probably going to come and kill us. I think. Mm. I don't remember. Don't don't quote me on that. It's been a long time. Um, but so one of the great things about two thousand and one is you never it never raises those questions, right? Because you don't know what the purpose of the monolith was, right? You don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I I, <clears throat> I think the stuff that works well in two thousand one would have helped this movie work better. Yes, um, like these kind of really out there sci fi concepts. I mean, they're definitely hard to try to portray in a visual medium um, or any kind of medium, right? Like, they're, yeah. they're hard to understand. <clears throat> and, uh, and I think the, way to, the, the proper way to go about that is just being, like, crazy, right? Be surreal, <laughs> be weird, make it weird. Maybe there's, like, a giant space baby and yeah. you're in this room and the time is going crazy and there's a monolith. And, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you get the sense that someone understands what this is about, but you certainly don't, right? Yes. And uh, there's just something about, like, Matthew McConaughey... In this like forty bookshelf, it doesn't work. That with a with with his like robot friend talking to him, it's so they really can explain weird. everything. Yeah, and it's just like it's just not, it's not surreal. It's not anything. It's just kind of like nonsense. It almost crosses into like Terry Gilliam territory to me. Mm. Like <clears throat> if this was in an absurdist comedy, that last scene feels more in place like like dude in a giant thing of bookshelves in a humorous or satirical fashion makes sense in a very serious movie where this is supposed to be emotional and Matthew McConaughey is screaming in agony about how he doesn't want his himself to leave or whatever it's just it's it's really bad like like it's hard for me to overstate just how much I did not like everything that happened after he fell into the black hole Mm -hmm. and it's it's such a letdown because I think it could have been really cool if you'd gone like the 2001 kind of method with it I think the idea of like what's in a black hole what is that experience like in in the hands of a different filmmaker I'm honestly not even sure what filmmaker that would be today even if you kept everything the same in the movie and just didn't explain it. So if literally he just he, wakes up, if he just fell into this black hole, yeah. right when that happens, and then this like we cut to his young daughter in the room going up to the lunar module thing on her bookshelf, and it just like falls off, and the movie ends. I would have been ten times better with that because like 
all right, I don't know, he becomes an energy thing or something, or is that related to him? Maybe it's not. I don't know. Like, leaving me having no idea what the what the hell happened in this movie would have been 10 times better than what actually happened. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't probably still have been good, but I would have liked the movie way more because it didn't, like, provide me with explanations al- that don't make any I'm sense. Almost, I'm almost imagining, though, like, falls into the black hole, and then you cut that whole scene, and he wakes up and is picked up by the Saturn, like, the people That would have been Saturn. better, too. Because then you're like, yes. whoa, what's this? And he doesn't even really know what happened, but yes. somehow he saved them, and, like, yes. all that, right? Totally um, agree. Again, maybe not what I want. Like, I would have wanted you to work out the screenplay probably better, but that would have been ten times better than showing what we actually saw, to me. Because I just don't think, like... I don't. Th- it's not an easy task. So I'm, and I'm not, honestly not sure what the right answer is. Like what you should show there, but I don't think Nolan is the right filmmaker to do that. Yeah. He's just. It's not. He's not as his forte as anything. Anything they, other than like a very kind of literal, straightforward scene. They need like a tag team. Like like at that point when he mm. falls into the black hole, like he tags out to Terrence Malick. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Who I definitely don't want directing any other part of this movie. Right. <laughs> Yeah. But he tags out. Terrence Malick takes over for 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah and then he tags back in. Totally. Because, like, you know, even if you had literally just done, like, the 2001, the, like, the Technicolor landscapes yeah, yeah. thing for, like, 10 yeah. minutes, like, just go do something wacky. Do something, yeah. like, totally unsettling um, and don't explain it. Because yeah. that's honestly the best we could ever figure out about what the experience of four dimensions would be like is, is something like that, right? Is You're experiencing four dimensions right now. Well, okay. They said five dimensions oh, sorry, five, in this, five by the way. So I don't yeah. know what the fifth dimension is. I guess the fifth dimension is love. Ah. Is that the tagline <laughs> of this movie? Interstellar, the, the fifth, fifth dimension, dimension is love. love. Well, in any case, uh, I think in general I come away from this movie with pretty positive feelings. Um, it's just, it's, I, I think it's a shame that it's not as good as it could have been. Like, I really think this, this was like, had the potential to be really really like a, a, a masterpiece a classic and it's just not like it's really not. I would I would agree with that I would say that if you if you could have basically done a better screenplay for this movie everything else works really well they they just pulled off everything really well and it's just the thing they were pulling off has some really bad problems right uh, and and that was really unfortunate let's let's talk about uh, little little random stuff. Sure, random stuff. Let's go. I feel go. like we've we've covered most of yeah, the, the main bul- things. Yeah, the bulk of the movie I we've kind like. of we've talked about. So yeah, I don't think there's much more to say. I'm trying to think if I've, if I've missed anything. I mean, basically, like I could add more to some of the things I said. Like for example, there's like a doctor guy that maybe is in a relationship with the daughter. Had no idea who that was. Didn't like. This is what I say about the Earth thing. Like literally, there was a whole. There was a male love interest character in this movie, I literally, until she kissed him, had no idea who he was or what he was doing. I, I was like, who is this guy? Do you remember this? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm like, okay, I guess that's her boyfriend doctor from NASA. But then he, when she kissed him, he seemed almost surprised, so... So was I. I, or, I don't know who he was. I know. I, he I just think, shows up. I think it's like he maybe wanted to put that in there because at the end she's, like, got family and she's, like, surrounded by her, her kids and whatever, and you're like, but we we don't I need... Mean, I don't know, I don't know. How about yeah. a scene where they meet? I mean, I don't know. Like, anyway, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, like I was saying, so I, I have notes about that sort of stuff, but I think everyone's got the point, so I'm just going to skip that. Um, so uh, let's talk about a couple minor stuff then. Sure. Close. So the talking documentary heads. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I think this is an interesting thing to talk about a little bit. Sure. Because the talking documentary heads are sort of a mixed bag for me. 
At first, I just strictly hated them. Okay. Like, because the, they are at the beginning of the movie. At the beginning of the movie, I felt like the talking documentary heads were just bad. Okay. I was like, why is this here? It's really distracting me from enjoying these scenes in the farm, which I thought were good. And it crossed the line a little bit. Like I was saying, like the Disney version of this movie would have the, the you know, the minute 30 just straight up voiceover telling you what happened to Earth. Sure. Right? And I felt like it skewed a little that way. I was just like, it's not as bad by far. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think they were well, they're really well done. Like they, they, were well done. they look like genuinely like documentary, like yeah. the, the way the people are talking, the way they're, they're yeah. the film looks. It's like, oh yeah, this feels, it feels real. Yeah. But I didn't like it. Okay. And I thought it was distracting. I thought it pulled me out of that opening scene that I otherwise liked, the opening sequence of scenes that I otherwise sure. liked. Yeah. But at the end, when it's like, oh, it turns out those are like the talking heads that we put in this museum of the farmhouse. Yeah. I did like that. But to me, on measure, I still think I, I wouldn't have had those in there. Okay. So, But I thought it was interesting to consider because like, okay, that's one of the few times I've seen something like that where like my opinion of it kind of changes at the end when it turns out. It's sort of like reframed and you're like, It was oh, okay. reframing that and I was yeah. like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know that I love it still. Sure. But it was an interesting thing to take away. I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea for a device. Like something that you think is one thing when you first see it. You think it's it's doing this standard movie trope thing of explaining some of the early world by showing you stuff that might have happened sure. on TV or something. And it turns out, no, no, you're actually seeing things that are in the farmhouse in the future, which is thematically appropriate with this movie because this movie is about four dimensions and time travel and things like that. So intercutting things from a future time with a pastime in the same location seems thematically appropriate, sure, right? Sure, So, yeah. So I just thought that was interesting to bring up I don't know what movie club thought of it. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that was interesting to consider. I don't know that I loved it, but it was interesting. And no, that I, was worth mentioning. I think it's an inter- interesting observation because it's a very small part of the movie. Very small. Um, and it yeah. can easily go almost unnoticed uh, in some ways. But I, I do think that's like a nice connection. Yes. So another thing that happens that's sort of like that is we kind of talked about how the like binary coordinates for NASA thing. Right. Yeah. Was pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree that that was dumb. I don't think they should have done that. But, again, a thing to think about there that's sort of interesting, that's not like what you would, the way it would normally go, Yeah, is at first you're kind of like, okay, he looks at sand on the floor and figures out it's the binary coordinates for NASA, like, and then it is, like, what? Like, I mean, he doesn't figure out their binary coordinates, but he figures sure. out their coordinates at all. Right. Like, I mean, you know, I guess because he has a laptop, he does reverse engineering, the other side. but later... When it turns out that he's the one who sent them to himself, it makes more sense because if you are sending a message to you, you know the first thing you would think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you happen to know that you're the kind of person who the first thing you're going to do is try something in binary, you'll send it in binary. If you're the first who thinks the first thing you're going to send is Morse code, you'll send it in Morse code. Right. Right? And so it was also another one of those where something... That granted, it was a stupid part of the movie, but if you take that out and you mm-hmm. just want to do like person from the future sends message to person in the past, it reframes that as something that is more reasonable. Mm-hmm. It, it's more plausible once yeah. you know that he sent it to himself. Yeah, yeah. Because you, 
that could have been just how he thinks. Mm-hmm. And then it makes more sense. Yeah. Right? Well, it is, I, you know, I do think like in general, I liked a lot of the concepts, the time travel concepts. Like I like the idea that you would go to the center of a black hole potentially, or you know, and, and sort of had this like transcendent experience where you can communicate with your past self. Yeah. Like I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Um, I just, I really think the execution yeah. was <laughs> <Yeah>. poor. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Another thing I noticed was that uh, on the book, uh, on the table at NASA, mm-hmm. they actually had Kip Thorne's book. Oh, did they? Gravitation. It's this big black book. I have it. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Okay. It's this big, like, black book that just says gravitation <laughs> on the spine. Uh, and it's sitting there. And I think I said this before uh, to you separately. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually the he's a, was a science advisor on it. I don't okay. remember. I didn't look at the credits. I should have because we watched them, but I don't, I don't, don't remember. remember looking for science advisors. But I think he was asked at his books on the table, which okay. I thought was, I, th- I thought he this, was asked maybe. It's a little Easter egg. A a little, little, I noticed it because it's one of the few books that's very easy to notice from far away because it just has a giant word gravitation. Down yeah, the spot. yeah, yeah. It's hard to miss. Um, So in keeping with the... Christopher Nolan doesn't know what a human is. Uh, <laughs> Christopher thing. Nolan is a secret robot. He's kind of. Yeah. I thought that Michael Caine's I'm pretending that we can solve gravity to send Earth to space because otherwise people wouldn't do it thing. Yeah. Also just doesn't square with human history. Like human history is full of like crazy ideas and leaving things behind like... There are so many people who set off for new worlds and just don't even care if well, they the can get thing, it. Just doesn't make sense. No, totally. I, I think I think I do think too. Like the the focus on love, like the scene you were talking about earlier, where Anne Hathaway's like, "I want to go rescue this guy because yeah. of love or whatever." It was like I was like, "Come on!" Because you think about like the way ast- actual astronauts are. Like yeah. Buzz Aldrin's like landing on the moon and his heart rate's like sixty. Yeah, and you're just like, "That's who actually is an astronaut, yeah. right?" Is like yeah. there's there's almost this just like. This chill, like, eh, you know, whatever <laughs> kind yeah. of nature thing going on. And maybe, maybe you know, okay, maybe that's not true in this case because there's not that many people left on Earth and they have to send who they have to send and they're maybe not the best candidates, right? But that's who they've got. But, but yeah, I was just like, I don't know. I, I feel like, the, yeah, there's this sort of this, this view of this view of humanity that's that as, though, as though all humans are like this one thing that are all thinking the same way and yeah, feeling the know. same way. But there's like so many different types of people. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. It, it, so that part, again, also fell flat. It, it, like the parts of this movie that try to talk about humanity, I just they don't make any sense to me. I'm like, it, uh, they don't sound like the humanity that I'm familiar with. Um, and so that was yet another version of that. It seems like a recurring thing in this movie is like, it says something about humanity very explicitly. Like, it's not like a thing that's woven into the movie. It's like a character literally talks about humanity for a minute. Mm -hmm. And what they say, I'm just like, what? Like, okay. I mean, it's possible that that character thinks that and they're just wrong. But it's like, it just felt weird. It it just consistently felt pretty weird. This uh, nitpick mm-hmm. for me echoes a nitpick I had in Terminator in one of our practice oh, podcasts we okay, did. Okay. I won't mention because we might do Terminator, so I'm sure we will if you have anything to say about it. <laughs> uh, nitpick on the watch. Mm. It felt very strange to me that a watch, he got a watch for his daughter. Um, 
right? He he takes it out of his pocket and he's like, "Here's the watch yeah. uh, that I'm giving you, and then we're going to synchronize these watches, right?" Mm-hmm. In the world that they inhabited, it felt to me like a watch of that quality would have been extremely hard to come by. Like, it didn't feel like the world that they lived in was one where, like, a, you know, a reasonably good-looking sort of fancy aviator-style watch was something that he just could go get. Like, this was, like, this place where, like, even, like, solar cells are hard to come by and things like that, right? Like, Mm, it just felt weird, and I was like... A, that doesn't seem to match with the world you've created where we have to scavenge for electrical components and all this stuff. Like, who are these people making precision watches, right? And two, I think it robs the movie of what could have been adding more emotion. If he had to do something to get that watch, he goes and he trades something valuable to like a guy in the center of town to get this watch to give to his daughter... How much better of a movie does this become, right? Instead, he just pulls this freaking watch out of his pocket like it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. And it totally loses the emotional impact of, in this world, a watch would be hard to come by, right? Like, there's so much opportunity in that scene to, A, cement your world building, and B, make there be more emotion behind his act. And it totally missed that. Well, I also do think that's you know, an opportunity to put more focus on the watch, to have the watch yes, feel more important. Exactly. So when, you know, because I think there's a lot, like, the whole him communicating, it's like, okay, sometimes he's leaving a message in the sand, sometimes he's pushing books off the bookshelf, sometimes he's making the watch do things. Yeah. And so it's like, rather than having it be all those things, maybe focus it in on, like, yes. the watch and, and have it just be a little simpler. Um, I don't know that that would have made any difference, honestly, though, like in the movie as it is. But Well, yeah, I mean, you need you need a lot of these little mods, yeah. right? But I think that would have been a great opportunity, is my point. Sure. To, again, take out some of the other parts of the Earth stuff that are superfluous to make time for things that would have mattered. And I think that would have been a good place where you could have really further established the relationship with the daughter in a better way, right? Sure, sure. Um. I loved the sound. So they did uh, a an overlay of the rocket launch that Matthew McConaughey goes up, you know, their, their launch off of Earth. Sure, yeah. They did an overlay of that audio mm-hmm. with him driving away from the farm. I thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I, I loved that. Uh, yeah. It was emotionally correct. Yes. It elided a bunch of stuff we don't care about. Yep. A lot of movies would spend a ton of time on the rocket launch sequence. So I was like, don't care, right? It focused it on the emotional impact yep. of him leaving home. Yep. And it heightened the drama of him driving away for yep. the little girl. It was just great. Great oh, yeah. filmmaking. No, that that's yeah, that I noticed that moment too. The the filmmaking is just great. I mean, Nolan is is obviously just a really skilled filmmaker. He's got a really great instinct for a lot of things yes. about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a, just, it's a nice, it's a really nice-looking movie. Um, yeah, I guess if I'm going to say any last words about things that I maybe didn't mention that I thought were good, were I really liked, it reminded me a lot of 2001 A Space Odyssey, a lot of the space scenes yeah. um, with rotating pieces, things with that harsh light on them. No sound shadows, for exterior shots. No sa- yeah, um, and uh, just really, really well done 
really like I, I, my like my preferred way of space things being <clears throat> shot. Obviously, there's a lot of different methods you can go, um, and that that would be my my preference, my favorite way for for things in space to look and and sound or not sound, I guess. Anna Repberg's preferred space sounds. <laughs> well, you know, there, there's choices, right? You know, people a lot of times do put in sounds. And I think the lighting, the lighting was the other big one. The way that the things in space were lit felt really authentic. A lot of times you see like spaceships, like especially right. in, in more like right, know, right. Uh, fantastical sci-fi. Right. Um, They're not harsh light. No. And yeah. this, this was like, this felt like, yeah, really good. So on the back of the, I like the sound overlay from driving yes. away. Uh, I have, it, it's a, uh, uh, the Nolan giveth and the Nolan taketh away. <laughs> okay. Because right on the back of that, there's this really horrible Shakespeare voiceover. Oh. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Michael Caine. I don't remember the passage he's quoting. To uh, go gently into it's, that. Uh, he's very bad. Dark, the, the, the um, yeah. And, rage, uh, rage against the dawning of the light. Yes. And it's totally out of place in this film. And it keeps come. They keep doing it. Like they keep saying it again and again. It's like really bad. Didn't like it at all. Mm-hmm. Like Nicholas Meyer knows how to do this. Christopher L- Nolan little, does not. Literary references, yeah. Um, and uh, it really felt bad. And it did something that I felt really undercut the feel of the movie significantly. Mm-hmm. Which is not only does it use a wide shot at that point, like you said, which was rare. Of the thing leaving the earth, mm-hmm. but it fades out, which feel, felt terrible. It was like, it just, the movie felt so like real, as you say, and then this feels so fake with the weird like fade out. Like a fade out does not belong in this film mm-hmm. to me. Uh, it just, it totally just did not jive with the rest of the visual. I don't know. I, I really hated that. So it was like, hmm. it was like back to back thing I loved and a thing I hated. I do um, think people like I don't know why there's this this uh, tendency for sometimes for people to try to like stick in literary references, uh, and I do think it's really rare that that it's pulled off well. A lot of the time, I think it just comes across as like cheesy or pretentious. Um, and I agree, like Nicholas Meyer, Wrath of Khan, probably the best the best uh, use of like literary kind of references in in a movie that I can think of. But yeah, this you really can't get better than Wrath of Khan. I don't think it's possible (laughs) because to me, literary references are kind of inherently a little cheesy. Yes. And so if you don't understand how to do that, it just comes across as like pretentious or off-putting. Whereas if you embrace the cheesiness as Nicholas Meyer 100% Mm -hmm. crushed in that movie, I think, it just feels fantastic. Well, and also thematically- He's one of the only people who can do that for me. Because I'm pretty- pretty Unforgiving. <laughs> I also think just thematically, the reference you're using has to be exactly on point. Yes. In a way that's like... Yes. I mean, this is just a cliched line, like a cre- cliched quote, this this rage raging as the dying light, right? I mean, it's like, it's... We've all heard it. It's not particularly... <laughs> <laughs> it's not particularly... As powerful as you think it is. Yes. Um, well stated. And... <laughs> like, you remove that, and I think you don't lose anything, certainly, and you might actually gain something. So, uh, two nitpicks, mm-hmm. um, like I've got, you know, you're the master nitpicker. Casey nitpicks will probably be a common thing on this podcast. I know. Cause, and at the end of the day, I'm less a big fan of, I'm, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the nitpicks because they don't like nitpicks generally don't matter. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, if it's the, a nitpick, it's not really the, like 
the problem, yes, right? <laughs> and I agree. Like, I can nitpick most movies, but I like some and don't like others. So it's it's just nitpicks because they come up for me. So this is for all the nitpickers out there. <laughs> These are we're gonna have some nitpickers in the club. I okay. guarantee you. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this I, is for them. Okay. This is for you. This, this is, is for, for you. them, so they know. I'm with them. This is so you f- they feel seen. We we are we're birds of a feather of a and and we're we're doing that thing with the beak where we go to the feather and pick the nits out of it. That's right. That's what we're doing. That's right. So I have literally no idea. Okay. The where they land on the water planet. Yeah. And uh, Anne Hathaway, Brand Junior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 younger Brand Brandchild. <laughs> She's like, I've got to retrieve the data. The planet is a giant wave planet that is going to crush everything. What are you going to do with that data? You pretty much learned that this planet's a no-go, lady. It doesn't make any sense at all. That's a really good point. Right? I hadn't considered that, it's but that's like, a really good point. It's like the entire the entire idea for that scene being dramatic makes no sense unless she's just really stupid but we're supposed to believe she's fairly smart because she talks about things like relativity at various points in time and is supposed to be more knowledgeable about you know fairly scientific concepts than say Matthew McConaughey who's you know kind of being brought back up to speak he's been farming for several mm-hmm. years right yeah and so we're supposed to believe she's a smart character but like that's like the dumbest thing and maybe there's an explanation for that, but the movie fails to establish it. So as far as we are told in the movie, that was just literally a completely stupid thing to do that makes no sense. And they even sort of have it out afterwards where Matthew McConaughey's mad at her for that. And he never even mentions the fact that it was useless what she was doing. So it's clear that the movie doesn't think it was useless. But I think it was, and so there's a disconnect there, and I think it's probably just a mistake, but I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it's like we're made to think that it's really noble almost of her, like self-sacrificing to get the data, but without What's ever... What's the data for? Yeah, yeah, without ever pausing to consider, like, why? The other thing that I didn't understand was the food. So basically, hmm. like, during this entire thing, like, food supply, I did not understand... Like, on Earth or in space? So in space, in this module thing, Mm -hmm, right, mm -hmm. the behavior was very, like, incongruous to me. Like, I didn't quite understand it, right? Like, it's probably just that they didn't show some things, but, like, I didn't understand where the food was coming from or how much of it they had. So, for example, at one point, they are like, well, we'll go down to this planet that has, like, severe gravitational lensing, and... uh. Oh, I guess it's not gravitational lensing. It's not the light. It's just uh, t- time dilation. Yes, That's what like I'm looking special, for. Sorry, yeah, yeah, time yeah. dilation. Not a space person, <laughs> as I said. Has severe time dilation relative to anything outside of it because of this big black hole that's nearby. And so as a result, when we go down there, it's going to take seven years, even though we're only going to be there for an hour. Right. Right. And it turns out taking like two hours or something. So they end up there for 14 years or something. I don't remember. Something like that. I think it was like 20 years or 20 something. 20 years, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And... I was like, okay, does that ship have twenty years of food for that guy? Well, he was he was in he he put himself in in like the cryo sleep or I don't know whatever that that long the long sleep thing is. He went he was in that for like a big chunk of it. I think he said. Okay. So he wasn't awake that whole time. So that part was really confusing to me because I didn't know like I didn't know where the food came from and I also didn't know like 
that when you put yourself into cryo sleep, like how much resources that's taking. Yeah. Well, it never maybe explained not any that of much. that. So that stuff was all kind of hazy to me because like, I again, it... normally I wouldn't necessarily care too much about that, but I didn't like that I didn't understand any of that because at various points in the movie, we're supposed to be invested in that kind of decision making. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's this much the time here, this much, how much fuel we have. Yeah. And yet I'm never told like, how much food do we have? How much does it cost to cryosleep? Are there bad parts to cryosleep? Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. So I don't feel invested in the decision making because I just don't understand the yeah. rules that we're living with. I do think this is the, no- like, back to the Nolan kind of problem is is that kind of thing where it's like, he'll really put, a, like, a super amount of focus in, like, one aspect of a thing, but then put, like, no thought into another aspect of it in a way that it just ends up being kind of, like, confusing to the viewer, I think. Yeah, and also, I mean... <sighs> I don't know, like hibernation does help with long-term, you know, consumption, but it's not zero. Like human beings don't just hibernate for like infinite years right. and then yeah, wake yeah. up, right? Like we we know about torpor and you still use well, no, it's true. It's like why they would mention resources. They're mention- just significantly less because your heart's beating slower. No, totally. It's like they're they're talking about fuel and time as like a and calories is the other big as one as a resource, yeah. and they never mention their supplies. Yeah, and it's true. Considering you're coming from a planet that's also like pretty low on food, like what is the what is the food situation? And you know, I don't know. And Matt Damon's not hungry when he wakes up, really, as far as I can tell, which doesn't make any sense because said he was out of supplies. It supply. is a bit it's weird just, to never have mentioned it at all. And nobody eats in the movie. Nobody eats. Nobody drinks. It's very strange. So I felt like that part. Again, it's this is why I call it a nitpick. I don't think it creates significant problems for the movie, but it's a thing that I would have liked to have seen integrated into this yeah, film more it's because like, it's important. Space travel, food is a food and water are huge issues in space yeah. travel that you would resolve. Well, somehow. and it's like it, it, in this movie where they're trying, he's trying to be really accurate about certain things, or trying, you know, at yeah. least trying to be thorough, trying to to make it feel authentic. Yeah, and then to just never mention that, I I agree, is like a little weird. Um, yeah, sp- because he is putting effort into thinking about other aspects that are similar. Yes. And then my I think my final nitpick. There's some other weird things in here, like robots using a joystick to control things, which make no sense to me. I'm like, wouldn't there just be like a <laughs> wireless link for this thing or something? Like, just very strange. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, okay, robots using a I joystick. Did like, I liked the robots. Fine. They were weird. Yeah, they were this definitely interesting, weird. interesting design. Very strange, yeah. but... It was unique. I'm not sure it makes much sense, but it was unique. Yeah, I mean, that's... And honestly, that's fu- like... That's fine. There's been infinite robot designs before, and if you can manage to come up with something kind of different and new, then I'm happy. I do feel like it's a little implausible because even if you, for some reason, thought this was a good design for a robot, which I doubt, the extremely hard edge, you would not do that, right? Like, that would be extremely dangerous in space, even to just the humans in weightlessness. Like, a extremely sharp metal edge on all sides of your robot would <laughs> not be what you would do. So that that was a I bit mean, weird. I mean, it's fine. But it's anyway. Fine. Um, the other thing that I think was my final nitpick that I really didn't like. Uh-oh. Um, but we, it got a, kind of, we got a big nit here. It falls in line with other parts of the movie we already didn't like. So it's less concerning because you okay. shouldn't have had this part to begin with. So at the end of the movie, he's like freaking out behind the bookshelf because he's like, I want to try and tell myself to stay. Mm-hmm. But his past self already knew that the ghost said stay and that it didn't work. Right. So it doesn't make any sense that he would then therefore himself be thinking that this is something he should do. Well, okay, okay, but right? to be fair, to be fair, 
it was kind of like a big it was a moment of desperation for him like he's he's distraught like he's desperate he's terrified like i i i, I honestly can i have i don't know I, that's fine actually for me because it's like you could you could sort of imagine someone in that state of mind just being so desperate to be like don't don't go stay i have a hard time buying that but okay because he's not thinking about it in that moment like as this like logical like oh well i already said that and so i won't listen like you know what i mean he's not thinking about it like that in that moment he's he's like he's kind of distraught i guess i mean it's it's pretty hard for me to like I can't even imagine the state of mind I would have to be in to be literally watching a scene that I not only remember, but remember from literally just a few months ago. Like, in his time passage, it has not been long. It's like literally like a month ago, right? Because he's been in hibernation for a while, but other than that, there's almost no time has passed, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like it's like... Weeks or a month or something. Okay, yeah. I don't even know, but not very long. Yeah. Is my understanding. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe that's wrong, but that's that, well, as far as I can tell. Well, he certainly doesn't age at all. Even a year. It's a year ago, right? It's like whatever it is, it's not 30 years. It's no. like a year or something at most. Mm-hmm. It's so weird to be in a situation where you're like, the what you would think would happen to is like, oh, that's like, you would like in your head go like, oh, if anything, I would think the panic would be, oh, crap, I have to do exactly the same thing. And, right, like, where's the S, right? Like, you know, like, it doesn't see, make I, sense I, I, to I, me I at guess, all. I think I'm going to disagree with you um, here. I, I I think you're you're kind of thinking that a person in this situation would be able to think a lot more logically than a person in that situation probably would be able to. But he already is thinking extremely logically. He had to back solve for the fact that he could push certain books out with letters on them and the spines are facing away. Like, he's thinking extremely logically already. If he was just yelling, I could totally believe you. But, like, thinking I'm going to encode something into pushing books out whose spines are facing away from me so I would have to look at another... In fact, I don't even know how he knew which books were which. Maybe he has those books memorized. I don't even know. There's another nitpick for you. How the heck did he know which books to push out? He's already thinking way too logically. Yeah. He's not doing an emotional thing. An emotional thing would just be slamming on the bookshelf. And maybe right? at the end of the day, that should... If, you're, if your argument is that love is the thing that's, like, transcending everything... Well, I guess it was gravity, technically. But you know what I mean? Like, this argument that love is somehow this powerful force. It's love gravity. But maybe, maybe like... You know, maybe the less literal, better way to go in that scene is to have him, like, be screaming and shouting and somehow those messages are getting through in some concrete way. You know, trying to think of ways to make this maybe more surreal. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I, I, I'm not the right person to make that ending work better. All I know is it doesn't really work very well. Well, I mean, if you wanted to try and do that part of it, I think you would want it to maybe be clearer that he's doing something in a loving way. So, you know, if he had to actually like close his eyes and like concentrate or something to move the book out instead of just like wailing on it like a doofus, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe that would help you make it feel more like love was involved. At Maybe, least. but I, I honestly, <laughs> but I don't know. I honestly think the whole bookshelf concept was stupid. It and was pretty bad. Like there was a better way to do that thing. Yeah. I don't know what that would necessarily yeah, be. I agree. But having him be just like behind a bookshelf was yeah. like ridiculous and anticlimactic and like kind of silly. And I don't, I don't necessarily know what the right answer is, but I just know that that was not that was not the best ending. One thing I will say is that 
the notion that Matthew McConaughey might be behind your bookshelf at any time at any time that's good that's like that's true. Matt thinking that at any time any bookshelf that you might see where you can't see the other side of it very well could in fact just have Matthew McConaughey in a spacesuit behind it yeah that's worth it that's worth it. And just, I want everyone around them, if you got a bookshelf around you, I just want you to look, take look a peek. at it. Just take a peek at it right now and let us know in the comments below. <laughs> Was Matthew McConaughey behind your bookshelf? That's a very good point. Because if we everyone know. Could, if everyone out there in the movie club could take a look behind your bookshelf and see if Matthew McConaughey, if, if you see, even if you can't, know for sure it's Matthew McConaughey. If there's just someone in a spacesuit with like, even if they have like a helmet well, you can't it, see. it's Matthew McConaughey. Let's, let's assume for purposes of this poll that it's Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Let us know though. Please um, do. We don't have a bookshelf immediately in this, in the recording well, room. We're going to check. We'll check and we'll let you know too if we found uh, Matthew McConaughey in our, behind our bookshelf. Yes, I will, I will post a comment under here uh, for sure that, that lets you know definitively how many, not just whether, but how many Matthew McConaughey bookshelves we have. Oh, that's a really, yeah, because some people, you know. If you have multiple bookshelves, you might you have could Matthew, be behind more than multiple one Matthews. I mean, part Ma- of multiple, this is. Multiple McConaughey's. It's four-dimensional thing. Like, he doesn't yeah. have to just be behind one of them. Right? Oh, man. What if he's just behind every bookshelf? This is another very good point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, I think we've reached the end. I think we have. Of Interstellar. Yeah. That's the official very first episode of the Molly I think it was, Movie Club. I think it was a really good episode, a really good movie for the first episode of Molly Movie Club. It was a great suggestion. So. I do think it was a great suggestion. There's tons to talk about in the movie. And it was a movie that had good and bad aspects. Yeah. It wasn't all bad or all good, which makes yeah. for a, a more entertaining discussion. If you only have negative things or only positive things to say, sometimes maybe it gets a little well, monotonous. And I, at the end of the day, it's like if we're, you know, this is a movie club thing. We'd like people to watch, a, like watch the movies with us. And yeah. I think in general, like we don't want to be wasting people's time. And yeah. I don't think this was a movie that wasted anybody's time. I think it's a, it's a movie that's worth watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. So I we do hope you, so we hope you enjoyed it or at least, yeah. you know, you know, could see the merits Got in it. Got something out of Got it. Got something out of it. Yeah. My proposal. Yeah. Was that we should do more like a sort of a couple space movies together. Like a series, basically. And 2001 was kind of the obvious one to watch back to back with this one. Do you think it's a bad idea or a good idea? I think, you know, since this movie, since Interstellar is like very clearly inspired by and and referencing often 2001, I do think it's a good it's a good idea to go back and have people watch that because I think there's probably a fair number of people in the Molly Movie Club who have probably never seen 2001 Space Odyssey. Could be. And uh, I think if that's the case, I think it's I think it'd be very valuable for people to go watch that movie. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us for Molly Movie Club. Uh, www.mollymovieclub.com. If for some reason you got to this podcast without knowing where it is, it is there, and it will take you to the home of Molly Movie Club where you can find more amazing movie club podcasts just like this one. That's right. Now, don't forget to let us know if you find Matthew McConaughey behind uh, okay. your bookshelf. That is the most important thing to say. And so, uh, yes. and we will we will be back here again uh, next week next week with a new with a new episode. Thanks everyone for joining us. Thanks. Take it easy. Bye.